My name is Jane Kratz and I'm a biblical counsellor working at a young, dynamic and multicultural church in Johannesburg, South Africa. I am also the co-chair for Biblical Counselling Africa. I am responsible for the soul care ministry at Hope Church, providing care and counselling for people in our congregation and more importantly equipping and training others to be involved in Biblical Counselling. The Biblical Counselling Coalition do an amazing job of collaborating with people, ministries and parachurch organisations from all over the world to strengthen the work that they do in counselling faithfully and with excellence from the Bible. By supporting the Biblical Counselling Coalition, you get to be a part not only of making their mission, vision and passion a reality, but also for the ministries that they partner with and serve. As someone who is working in a country where biblical counselling is still in its infancy, I am so thankful for the monthly e-source I receive in my inbox, as well as for the access I have to all sorts of other free resources, podcasts and book reviews, which I can access and use in my ministry, but also share with the people that I am caring for. You will receive far more than you give by partnering with the Biblical Counselling Coalition. So please do consider giving to them. You're listening to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 1514, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the executive director of the Biblical Counseling Coalition, Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode of 1514. It's a pleasure to have you with us. If you're brand new to the podcast, welcome. Be sure to check out our archive of previous episodes. Uh, Also, be sure to check out the website of the Biblical Counseling Coalition, biblicalcounselingcoalition.org or biblicalcc.org, if you don't want to get carpal tunnel typing out a URL. Uh, Today, I have with me a good friend, a BCC council member, uh, and prof- assistant professor of biblical counseling, uh, Dr. Lily Park. So, Lily, thanks so much for being with us on 1514. Thanks for having me. Um, actually, it's associate professor for so what it's I, worth. I know. I knew I was going to mis- mispronounce it. <laughs> you think I would know, being on Southern's campus, the difference in the two? And, and... No, I was assistant at, uh, at Southern, <laughs> so it's confusing. It is. It difference in the rest of the world. For so. all, yeah, I was going to say, all the non-academics listening aren't going to care at all. They don't know. All, they don't care. All. So, well, Lily, thanks so much for being with us, I, and thanks for tolerating my lack of uh, awareness of your title. Um, <laughs> but, and and I just appreciate appreciate you and your willingness to laugh about that. We, we've known each other for a long time, going way back to uh, our early days at Southern when we were both working on MDivs and stuff. But for those who don't know you so well, could you introduce yourself to our audience? Yes, I'm Lily Park, and I'm on faculty at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. And this is a recent post for me. I moved to Fort Worth this past summer, so I am completing my first semester at a new institution. And uh, yeah, 
And what a year to do it in 2020. What a, I bet that transition's been yes. been interesting. Uh, well, tell tell us a little bit about what it, what does that entail? What does it mean to be an associate professor at Southwestern, and what's that been, looked like for you this this year? Yes. Yeah, so, on top of the, the 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 typical transition that comes with starting a new position, it's been unusual because of this pandemic, where we've had to navigate uh, making transitions to online courses. Um, we also have flex learning at Southwestern, so that helps a lot as well. But just, I would say the key word has been flexibility, mm. being willing to uh, modify your plans and uh, and being willing to make those changes. So that's, I think that's just been a really helpful mindset with everything happening. But I, I basically teach classes at the master's and doctoral level. I meet with students, which I enjoy doing so much, and also supervise doctoral projects. So a little bit of everything, as most faculty members do, um, but it's it's probably a, highlight, it's a highlight to meet with the students and getting to know more of their mm. own ministry and learning from them as well. Yeah, no, that's really good. That's really good. Um, yeah, it's a, that's just some good practical biblical counsel there that we should be flexible and hold our plans loosely for sure. <laughs> uh, well, so your uh, addition of you being at, at Southwestern is part of a change in the biblical counseling program, which is part of the larger changes that have been taking place at Southwestern. Can you tell us a little bit about that and and how the, in particular, the biblical counseling program has has changed in the last, just recently? Sure. So as uh, many of the listeners might have heard, Southwestern went through some significant changes in the past couple of years. We have a new president as well as provost um, approximately a year and a half ago. And the biblical counseling as well as other departments were affected in different ways. And so I was hired to be one of the full-time faculty members this summer. And we are actually in the process of building and furthering our department. And yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. Uh, and you guys are, you, as you mentioned there, you're, you're actually building out the department, which means you're, looking, you're still looking for faculty. So uh, listeners, if you're out there, you have a PhD in biblical counseling and some good experience, uh, yes. be sure to, to reach out to Southwestern and let them know that you, <clears throat> you know, throw your hat in the ring for that role. Yes, and we have some great um, adjunct professors who are mm -hmm. local, and they have years of experience and PhD as well. And so each professor, each adjunct professor bring a different specialty. Like one was a mm -hmm. former nurse, for example. One has a specialty in addictions. Um, so whether it's crisis, crises or uh, grief counseling. Uh, we're trying to use adjunct faculty who can bring a specialized training to different courses. Yeah, well, that's that's also good to know too. Um, it's an interesting world in uh, in academics, just being very 
flexible again, having lots of different opportunities, uh, ways of teaching traditional faculty or fewer and farther farther between those those types of positions. But tell us tell us what kind of programs are available for people. You mentioned the master's level and as well as doctoral, but kind of walk through the different degree options that are there at the school. Yes. So it's uh, similar to a lot of other seminaries as well. We have an MABC as well as an MDiv, and you can have a concentration in biblical counseling. Uh, we also have a DMIN and DEDMIN in biblical counseling, as well as the PhD in biblical counseling. And I would say something um, perhaps we try to emphasize in our particular MDiv is uh, our biblical counseling program is under the Terry School of Educational Ministries. So mm. what that means is that you have to take the typical theology courses and languages, but then you have a strong emphasis on training you to be a teacher, discipler, counselor, uh, really an educator. So that's that's probably one of the um, strengths we're trying to bring into that, that particular MDiv program. And it's really reflective of the dean of the school as mm. well as the school, the educational school. Yeah, yeah, that's really helpful. And you guys, you mentioned earlier uh, the option for flex learning. So tell tell everybody what that looks like as well. Yes, so that's actually been something new for me. I, I never had this as a student or faculty member at other institutions. So uh, I've, I've had to learn a bit more um, with this. Basically, we have online classes, but then we also have flex learning. And what that means is that you can sign up for our regular semester courses that meets on campus, but we have a technology where you can join live. And so you're, you can participate literally the mm-hmm. time that we're meeting on campus. You can come from another state or country. If you have a computer or some kind of phone, you can participate in that lecture and ask questions real time as well and then for those who can't um, then they can watch the lectures later Mm. and um, add their questions when they're able to so it's a lot like online but the difference is you are exposed to the most recent lectures and you can participate in it so that might be the easiest way to differentiate it yeah, no, that's really that's really helpful. It's not a, you're not just watching video. You can there is that option to watch yes. a video of the lecture, but also to watch it live or what what in academics is, is called synchronous learning instead of that's asynchronous right. learning. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, <laughs> and it works really well. I uh, you you invited me to to jump in and share a little bit in one of your classes, and it was really great to to be able to be there. Is not in person, but actually engage yes. with and interact with the students. And I think that kind of enables you as a school as well to, like you mentioned, bring in experts, bring in other people who maybe aren't in the DFW area, can't drive down or fly down. They can join mm-hmm. uh, online and, and share that experience, share that training with students there too. So no, that's really, that's really yes. good. That's really helpful. Um <clears throat> When students enroll in the program, especially in the biblical counseling, what kind of what kind of experience should they expect to receive there at Southwestern? When they enroll in the biblical counseling program, mm-hmm. yeah, like how mean are you going to be to them? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Uh, well, I try to bribe them with dark chocolate and candies, and no. Um, 
Well, they're going to receive a strong theological foundation because mm-hmm. that is the essence of biblical counseling. And that, that should be the essence of every seminary degree. So you will definitely take those traditional theology, Old Testament, New Testament classes. But then you're also going to take more specialized classes on different emotions, uh, grief, uh, crises. Uh, let's see, uh, marriage and family, of course, um, and practicum. Something that we are trying to do is also include some courses that prepares our students to teach well. We're finding students who want more training in how to teach God's word and how mm. to use it in context for different counseling issues. So we have a class devoted to that as well. And then being part of a seminary in a large metroplex such as Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, you're, you have more resources that comes with the territory. So there are more churches, including biblical counseling ministries. And so I'm glad that I've been able to connect with some of those leaders. And some of them I knew through Biblical Counseling Coalition. And <laughs> so that's been a blessing. And um, at least a couple of them, we are ready to... Um, have students participate in their own counseling sessions. Mm, and so that could be used for practicum. Um, so I, I want to build that experience as much as possible uh, for those who are able to be, who are the, for those who are local. Yeah. And, um, and these pastors and leaders are, want that interaction with the students. They want to train these students. So I'd say that's a little, that's in a nutshell, what you can expect in our biblical counseling program, um, some hands-on exposure and training. Yeah, no, that's really good. I I appreciate too, being in the education school, the desire to offer and and require students to, to, to Mm -hmm. be equipped to train, because I think, um, as we experience biblical counseling in the local church, we recognize, man, there is a lot of work to be done and we need a lot of help. With this, but we also recognize not as many, I mean, the, the, the higher you go in education, the fewer people are able to take advantage of that type of training. Uh, and I even at the undergrad level at Boyce try to tell my students, listen, you are already uh, just getting a leg up again uh, uh, as far as training, experience, learning than most people in the local church. So turn around and yes. use that. Share that knowledge with other people. Don't, don't hold it yourself uh, and, you know, as you get an MA or an MDiv or a DMIN and on and on and up, the, the, in a sense, the weight, the stewardship of that grows. So being able yes. to send these people in the local church where they can not just count, not just counsel, uh, but equip other people to do that. That's, that's fantastic. That's really, really encouraging to hear, um, that heart yes. at, at Southwestern. So, yes. well, <clears throat> well, Lily, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is just, um, the your experience as a as a woman teaching in biblical counseling in in Christian higher ed I know uh, at a lot of our seminaries and colleges there aren't as many women faculty in the especially in Bible departments but biblical counseling is one of those places where I I mean I look out at my classes right now and I have a class of thirty students and there are probably three or four males and everybody else is a female. Fifty right. percent <laughs> um, of the population and pro- are female, roughly, and then probably eighty to ninety percent of those coming for counseling st- 
start it starts with women or and when it's couples a lot of times women bringing their their husbands so we need we need uh women training in this field what's your experience been like in in because uh, you've taught it now southwestern but also other schools as well so tell us a little yeah. bit about that yes i'm glad to talk about it and then feel free to ask follow up because this is there's so much to say on this regarding this topic mm-hmm. um you know, and I get asked this question by other women who are interested in further studies or teaching as well. And I I want to be careful that I don't give the impression that it was a very easy, straightforward path mm-hmm. for me. And I, I am a firm complementarian, but also within complementarianism, there's a spectrum. And interestingly enough, I probably would not be where I am if it wasn't for various brothers in Christ who recognized something in me and encouraged me to pursue further studies or different uh, leadership positions. So I just want to acknowledge that um, mm-hmm. as a as a woman, this is not just about um, working with other women and promoting a feminist agenda kind of approach. So I'm thankful for the support of those brothers in Christ. And I think that's something I would tell women leaders in biblical counseling is that we are better together Mm. and working with our brothers in Christ and also recognizing that we will be working with men who hold to different views on women serving in leadership capacities, whether whether that's directing a counseling center or teaching in higher ed. And I've had to work in, I've had to wear different hats Mm -hmm. in different institutions, depending on the, um, depending on the doctrinal stance of the school on this issue. And I've, my, my personal approach has not been to fight against that, Mm -hmm. uh, to stir up um, division, to stir up trouble and create division. Um, but really resting mm-hmm. in God's goodness for those opportunities and to seize the opportunities to learn from whatever title it is. But uh, sometimes it's been more challenging than other times uh, because especially when you're trained to do something and you're not able to use mm that training. So I I do think sometimes it could be a waiting period for women and just the same for men too, right, Curtis? It's not just for women. But I I do think as women, we need to um, just recognize there's a a variety of views on this and also to be trusting in God. And that enables us to have a more uh, gentle posture uh, towards leadership. And, but the Lord is has been so good to me, so kind in providing opportunity, opportunities that exceeded my expectations as a female mm-hmm. as well. And, then, um, and sometimes that goes, it goes a long way just to build relationships with male professors and male administrators as well. And for them to see your strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're the ones who can pave a path for you. And so that's a lot. I understand <laughs> probably um, not a coherent answer there, but 
the main point is just that there's a lot of views. I try not to be, um, I try not to be difficult about mm. this issue, but recognize that ultimately it's God's authority and his will be done. And, and that I, I want to be a part of God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. However, that looks, whether it's in higher ed or using my PhD in training others in a different context, the Lord's will be done. Mm-hmm. And so that's my posture and just being open to however the Lord allows that to occur. So being yeah. very open-minded is yeah. probably a big part of it. Well, definitely. Um, even when, even having this conversation, um, I just, I wasn't even trying to jump in necessarily to the complementarian egalitarian debate. Obviously that is something that, that people talk about and, and needs to be discussed. Um, and unfortunately I think it's, unfortunately it's something super divisive and, and sadly right now in our world, there's lots of, it seems like everything is divisive. You can't talk about anything without stepping on, uh, something like a landmine and just exploding. But I mm-hmm. want, I think why I wanted to ask you is just knowing you and, and watching you walk through this uh, in your both education and then employment. I've really appreciated your humility. And like you said, just resting in God's goodness and, and, and that, and not as much trying to make a stance on doctrine, but sharing your experience and what that's been like. And like you said, what other women could experience, could expect, uh, and then hopefully what, how that will adapt and grow and change over time. Uh, because I know our students are better served, our faculty are better served. Uh, I think the church is better served when mm-hmm. we have women who are teaching in, in, especially, I mean, especially biblical counseling, like we talked about before, the, the need is yes. so great there. So what, what do you think, um, you know, and I again, I really appreciate your heart and your stance and your attitude. When you have the opportunity to share with somebody the value that having a female faculty member at a college or seminary uh, mm-hmm. is, what what do you what? And that opportunity is pretty well open, not not afraid of of la- backlash or anybody <laughs> getting upset, and you're free to say like, yeah, here's some things you can see the value of what having a female perspective and a female faculty member will bring to the table. What do you, what would you share? Yeah. Yeah. So I just talked about this with some prospective students the other day about this very same, very issue here, the issue of women um, teaching and serving in the churches. The seminary is not the church. The seminary exists to serve the church. Mm -hmm. And how can we, how can we train uh, our students for ministry if the seminary doesn't look like our real ministry context? Mm. If that makes sense. So yeah. I want to be careful in how I say that because I'm not negating the training quality of places where you just have male professors because I'm a product of that too, right? Mm. And I've had a couple of women professors over the years predominantly male but I I can't help but come back to that issue because I know of men and women who leave with a seminary degree and they're left with a lot of 
uh, questions of how to minister to the opposite gender in mm-hmm. a godly way and mm-hmm. and not in an awkward way. And how do we love our brothers and sisters in Christ? And so I think there's just a lot of practical wisdom that naturally uh, are naturally addressed when we have men and male and female faculty members mm-hmm. and um and and it just shows a value of learning from each other it, to both the male students and the females especially the male students because i think female st- students generally know that just cuz a lot of them see that in their churches with their male pastors and elders and so forth yeah. mm-hmm. but i i i think there are more male students uh who can overlook opportunities to learn from their fellow sisters in Christ mm. and how they can more effectively and sensitively care for women, um, single, married, divorced, widows, teenagers, and so forth. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, husbands will say, I learned so much from my wife and hearing mm. her perspective. So let's broaden that to church ministry or parachurch ministry of how much more we can learn. Um, that maybe um, areas that we were not aware of just simply because it's not natural to us. Yeah. No, that's a good, that's a good, good way of phrasing a good way of stating it. And I think it's important, like you said at the beginning, you're complementarian, but even within the spectrum there, there are a spectrum of beliefs within that. And I think that ranges from women. When you look at scripture, clearly the role of elder pastor is reserved for men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are some some on the spectrum, if you're going to go really far, uh, you know, looking at the passage that says, do not, women should not teach or have authority over men, that, um, I, and I, I, know, I know brothers uh, and some sisters who, who hold this position that the, the pattern that is outlined for the church uh, is what is the pattern that should be adopted in the world and would even say that even, even outside of the church, that women should never have a role of authority. Um, mm-hmm. that's one end. And then the other end would be more is anything besides pastor is up for grabs, uh, within the church. And so again, I think coming with it at it with humility and respect and understanding there are varieties of, of opinions on this, but one, and this is one of the things I love about the coalition and getting the chance to, to, to work together is that this is a very secondary issue. Uh, mm-hmm. or tertiary quadrici I don't know what the other <laughs> terms might be but like we can uh, at the coalition we get together pedo baptists and baptists right i mean that's a mm-hmm. significant thing that has separated the church, people in the church for millenn- you know hundreds of years at least that's right we should we should not separate and attack each other over this position i think talking about mm-hmm. it discussing it understanding learning sharpening each other uh, is 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 what the way we need to go about this, um, not right. attacking uh, each other. And I think what what mm-hmm. what you're saying and what all your students are saying is, we're not wanting to be pastors. We don't want to be. Right. We want to, but we want to serve and use the gifting that God's given us um, right. to do that. That's right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> We're not trying to usurp your authority, and um, but just recognizing that there are many parts in the body of Christ and mm-hmm. merely teaching alone does not make you um, an egalitarian or 
mm-hmm. having a different position on men and women in the church. So I think there's just so much that could be clarified for the average church member. Yeah. Member, we we teach. You know, this is what complementarianism is, and this is what authority in the home looks like. This is what authority in the church. But then there's so many gray areas, and mm-hmm. I think students are trying to just guess sometimes mm-hmm. on their own. This is what it is because I learned this from my professor or pastor, mm-hmm. and sometimes there's hurt as a result unintentionally. But um, I just wonder how things could have been different if we were able to pull in. Other um, men and women who are who are rooted in theology, right? Mm-hmm. Not in their opinions, yeah. but rooted yeah. in their study of God's word to bring informed discussions to the table. And this is not personal. This is not about um, equal rights. That sort of conversation, because we're equal in Christ. Mm-hmm. We're all creating God's image, but just more of how can we build up the body of Christ? in appropriate ways under the authority of our male elders in the yeah. church. And I think, I mean, I think too, I've, I've heard a number of elder um, elders who've talked about in, in different ways. And I've, I've had some conversations where we're trying to think through um, even authority structures within the church and deacons, deaconesses and other things like that, or just um, in, in, in decision-making, especially especially on big decisions that are going to radically affect uh, the the body at large, needing and getting the perspective of women. You know, one one uh, interview I did recently was with somebody over domestic abuse or, or just talking about domestic abuse ministry. Mm-hmm. Well, if the elders, um, who are all men, never heard or listened to or, or asked for a woman's opinion, they're going to miss out on a lot of important information and important knowledge that they need to make an informed decision. It's kind of like as biblical counselors, we go back to Proverbs 18, right? Uh, uh, You know, the first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. And it's foolish to give an answer until you've heard the case Sure, um, that we recognize it's foolish to make Mm -hmm. a decision and give counsel until we've considered as much information and, and knowledge as possible from all sides. Why would we make radically strong decisions that are going to impact everybody in the church without at least listening to and getting the input of our sisters in the in the church? Anyway, sorry that just yeah that no just, that something <laughs> I, that you said hit me that way and I was like wait a minute yeah anyway I, well can I just say something quick about that yeah, because yeah, that's something free. I'm doing a separate writing on but I think it's how some church leaders have taken authority. How they've taken it to mean is that authority means we we decide everything. It's put up that responsibility is on us to decide everything, mm-hmm. and not just that, not only that, but to decide among ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how they've interpreted authority to mean that way. Not all, but some. Yeah. yeah. Some. So. No, but wow, that's different. Yeah, it's such a. <laughs> um, I might have to go back and revisit our leadership. <laughs> but no, I think that's a good a good point. Just we did a series on leadership in in uh in our podcast in different avenues and I don't I don't think anybody missed this point, but honestly, like there are di- there are different styles of leadership. Some people who say I'm just going to make every decision myself without any input. 
um, and others. And it, it's in the home, it's in the military, it's in a workplace, it's in a school, it's whatever. And then obviously in the church. And I think any time we see leaders who are acting unilaterally or without consultation. I mean, Proverbs talks a lot about that, right? A, a plan yes. that we don't, with many counselors, uh, there's success in, in those who don't seek counsel. And you could look at the example of, um, oh, I can't, I can always mix it up. Was it Rehoboam or Jeroboam who did not consult the, take the advice of his father's counselors, but just. Yes. I think it was Rehoboam maybe, but yeah. 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 That's a good point. Hmm. And this, but this goes back to your larger question, Curtis, about why should schools consider a female faculty member instructor? Yeah. Because we do bring um, different perspective to how scripture. So the the authority of scripture does not change. Yep. The hermeneutical practices does not change, right? Yep. The authorial intent and blah 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 blah. But just thinking about the implications. Um, that 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 can look different because of the wisdom that each person brings as a result of their experiences. So even if, if we have three pastors, maybe one served overseas as a missionary, you know, one served in urban ministry and one served in a city context, they're going to bring different wisdom because of the experiences they've had as fellow male leaders um, mm-hmm. in understanding mm-hmm. the variety of applications for the same passage, if that makes sense. So yeah. just how yeah. much more we can do that if we have female voices too. No, that's good. Well, sister, thanks so much uh, for making this a really fruitful conversation. It was very good, <laughs> good, good mental exercise learning for me as well. Not quite what I intended, but that's, that's, <laughs> My intentions don't matter always, right? So that's good. Uh, well, w- at the end of the podcast, I'd like to have a segment called Two Minute Favorites where people get a, f- a fun chance to know you a little bit and maybe send you some candy if, if, uh, if it's not melting, meltable or whatever. Uh, are you up for that? Yes. All right. Here we go. What is your favorite food? Uh, Italian. What is your, their, your favorite color? That's hard. Uh, beige. Favorite sport? <laughs> Soccer. Favorite sports team? Uh, I I don't really follow all the sports. I would say I'm from Maryland, so um, the Orioles or Ravens. All right. Favorite gift you've ever received? Uh, I would say it's been um, just thoughtful gifts. So whether it's handmade or purchased, um, I just really appreciate those gifts that are thoughtful. Uh, favorite gift you've ever given? Uh, I would say probably a lot of people will appreciate the cards I send, uh, the handwritten cards. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not practiced as much now, but I still like to surprise people every once in a while with a handwritten note. Favorite candy? That's easy. Dark chocolate. Uh, favorite word? Oh, um, thankful. Least favorite word? Complain. Favorite book of the Bible? Yeah, okay, so I'm going to the Old Testament right now, and what I'm trying to do is 
read it like it's my favorite book of the Bible so that I can really try to understand and learn from it. And I'm just wrapping up uh, Second Kings. So Second Kings so is my book right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite book outside of scripture? Uh, I would say um, biographies. Favorite ice cream flavor? That's easy. Vanilla bean. All right. Well, that wraps up our two-minute favorites. Dr. Lily Park, thanks so much for being with us, and thanks so much for being a part of the BCC Council. Thanks for having me, Curtis. Thank you for listening to this episode of 1514. If you'd like to know more about the Ministry of the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcounselingcoalition.org. You can also contact us at podcast at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to Carrie Felton, our podcast producer, who arranges and coordinates these interviews, and James Wills, our podcast engineer, who does the sound editing and makes these episodes sound so great. I thank you for being with us again and hope you can join us next time on 1514.